Welcome to Cheaper Than Therapy, a podcast that journeys into conversations with the intention of demystifying, destigmatizing, and desensitizing what really gets talked about behind the closed doors of the therapy room. I'm Vanessa Bennett. And I'm Danae Selkin. And we're seekers, soul sisters, and holders of sacred space. So join us as we dive into the ways that therapy can be connecting not only to yourself, but also to those around you. So we are currently en route, en route, en route, how do you say that? En route to our retreat in Arizona. We are road tripping it (laughs) and decided that what better time to record a podcast episode than in the car together since this was what actually originally made us do a podcast to begin with was our road trips and our long discussions on our road trips. Yeah, and since how often do we have several hours of uninterrupted time together where we're having With no children? It's like, my God. So, Danae brought me a podcast to listen to that I did not listen to because... (laughs) But you probably don't need to because I feel like this is something that you're... I will say well-versed in and I think will be an interesting conversation for the two of us to have for sure. Um, but yeah, you know, I, you know, me and how I feel about the word toxic in general, it's not my favorite word. I think it's one of the most, um, you know, we come from a depth psychology background and so much of the psychology and the way that we are taught to approach psychology is with curiosity. And I think the word toxic to me is one of the most judgmental words that you can possibly use. Like the minute I am judging or excuse me, the minute I call something toxic, I'm no longer curious about it. I'm no longer seeing it. Um, whoever I'm using that label around, like I don't see them anymore. I just see them as something that is like done bad, other less than. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I have a real like visceral response to the word toxic in general. And I've just been hearing so many people talking about toxic positivity. And, you know, I think you and I talk about spiritual bypassing and what that is and awareness around it. And I don't know, like, do you want to like break down what, what I wrote this article? Um, God, almost, it's been like two or three years now, I think, but I got a lot of traction at the time around what I was calling like false positivity and spiritual bypassing. Right. And so I think that we've I think most people can agree that in today's like social media kind of pop psychology landscape, there is a lot of this like, um, you know, positive vibes only like, you know, peace, love and flower power kind of thing. But it does feel very like um, I don't want to use the word fake, but essentially it's like from a depth psychology perspective. Right. It is in the depths. It is in the darkness that we actually discover who we truly are. It is where a lot of the kind of unearthing and uncovering of the true self self actually happens. Right. So if we're constantly like, no, 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 I don't allow negativity around me. I don't associate with negative people. I only let in positive vibes. You're actually only allowing in 50% of your experience. Right. And what you're doing is you're actually cutting off or in a lot of cases, bypassing the real hard, messy, truth of life, of, of emotions, of being a human. Right. Um, and so there can be a lot of bypassing that happens in the act of false positivity. Right. So that's what I kind of 
called that article. Um, and and false positivity is not the only way that we bypass. I mean, spiritual bypassing as a term, I'm not. I didn't coin it. I mean, it's been around forever. Jack Hornfield talks about it a lot. Um, and and even spiritual bypassing can be used to describe. Um, you know, clinging to maybe a, a practice. Um, let's say, I think the one that I heard Jack Hornfield talk about actually was like a lot of people who get into this like kind of yoga meditation world. And then for them, it's like, well, now I'm in this yoga meditation world. I speak Sanskrit and I chant. And so I've done the work, right? Or, um, and I don't need to actually do the like, again, getting into the darkness, like getting in there, what's really happening? What are my emotions pointing to? You know, what's the root cause of this? Like, what are my triggers all the things that as therapists obviously we're we're interested in um you know do you put something on it almost as like a band-aid where you don't have to really look at yourself so bypassing the thing that is your bypassing can be anything um i guess just like an addiction can really be anything right it doesn't have to be booze it can be working out it can be sugar it can be whatever and what do addictions serve they serve the same purpose to numb to hide to soothe to hide you know hide anxieties um, so it's not the thing, I guess, that we're talking about. It's just like the act of bypassing. Yeah. And, you know, here's what I will say. And, you know, I think a lot of what sort of like brought this up for me is there's, there are, are therapists that are in the social media sphere that I hear talk about, quote, toxic positivity as if it is something that is like, I don't know, like so prevalent in terms of like, we need to do something about this toxic positivity problem. I'm like, is it really a problem though? Because as someone who sees clients on a weekly basis, several of them, I will say one, I think, and it's so funny, a mutual friend of ours said this, and I was like, good point. She was like, have you ever really known though a toxically positive person? Like someone who is like, um, I'm trying to think of the guy, oh, what's that TV show? I can't think of his name, the one I love so much. It's like Ted Lasso. Oh, yeah. Like yeah, yeah. a Ted Lasso. Like, like a true Ted Lasso. We need more Ted Lasso. Also, by the way, Ted Lasso, I mean, in the first episode, like you see that he actually is really hurting and there's like a lot of darkness there, right? Well, and, you know, I mean, I think that that's one, that's like a really good point. But I think that, you know, what we talk about with, um, in terms of like spiritual bypassing is that our work as therapists is often to invite all the feelings, right? right? To say all feelings are welcome. There's no such thing as like a good, bad, whatever feeling. Like we allow all of it to come. But I think my issue with a lot of the memes, the things I see around, um, quote, toxic positivity, and this is true of anything in the social media sphere because they're like little boxes and we like really like minimize and sort of... There's a lot of nuance. Dumb down, right? yes. Yeah. Like things that are actually a lot more complex. But I do see a lot of villainizing things like um, a lot of the spiritual teachings that I feel like have changed people's lives, yeah. you know? And I really, I have a problem with that. Like I feel like it's like, you know, at some point if we don't sort of move into some solution, then we spend the rest of our lives in that space of in the problem, space. right? And I think that's actually way more of the prevalent problem in society than this, quote, toxic positivity that we're focusing so much energy on. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's um, there's a woman that I follow, a therapist in, in the UK, and one of the things I actually just saw her post recently, which she's like, I appreciate her because she's like really snarky and you know that I can go real <laughs> snark. British humor. Yes, I love her. Um, and she's like real snark, like sass, put it in your face. Like this is bullshit. She calls things out. I love it. Um, but one of the things it was like, a, it was a multi-layered post, but 
one of the snippets I thought was funny was she said, you know, labeling every negative experience I've ever had as trauma. Right. And so it's like, it's, it reminds me of that. It's like when we start to get into this space where like all things are trauma. And so now I'm traumatized and now I'm going to stay in the space of trauma versus like working to a place of solution. I do think there's been, um, I don't want to say backlash. That sounds too intense. It's almost like that's like the pendulum swing of like now that people have access to a lot of this information because of social media, which is great, but because we now all have access, now everybody's a narcissist, everybody's toxic, everything is trauma, everything is this, everything, right? And so I, I, we have lost a lot of the nuance, I think because we're having very nuanced conversations in tiny little boxes yeah. with a 500 character limit underneath it, right? Yeah, and I guess that, that what you're saying is really true and that's what's tough is sometimes you feel like people, like for instance, anyone who knows me say, hears me say constantly, in every moment we were making a decision between fear and love, right? I've heard that like really minimized is like, well, not when you're homeless, right? And it's like, yeah. well, um, that's a very like bigger conversation, right? right? Um, there's a fair amount of like, this is what life should be like for everyone that is based on a fair amount of our Western culture's privilege Major and what we have decided life yeah. should look like for us, right? right? And I think like some of these things are bigger conversations, but at the end of the day, like some of these spiritual truths are still true. It's just a bigger conversation. And, you know, I think um, I'm a student of, uh, Abraham Hicks and, you know, like Wayne Dyer is someone who's like really impacted my journey. And I hear a lot of like all of this, like universal laws and law of attraction is just like toxic positivity nonsense. And I'm like, first of all, I think you really have to like dig a little deeper into the ways that you're minimizing what is actually being said around these principles to sort of say like there are certain things you can't like positively think your way out of to understand that's actually not what is being said. Right. Do you know what I mean? Well, I do think it's a misunderstanding. I mean, this is like, this just happened recently where somebody sent me, you know, I was, um, I, I reposted a, a, a friend and a colleague of ours is an astrologer and she does like year end review kind of like, here's your next year readings. And so I reposted it because you know, she's amazing and we've worked with her for a long time. And somebody DM'd me and said, like, I can't believe as a counselor, you know, you promote this garbage, you know, it reduces your validity in my eyes, yada, yada, yada. And I mean, listen, to be fair to this person, there was a dialogue where I responded and basically said, not everything that you don't agree with is garbage, right? right? So first of all, pay attention to your words. Um, and that was kind of all I said. And actually, I will say she did respond and say, like, I apologize. Like, I was activated. I shouldn't have used that word. So I will give her that. But I used that initial response that she gave me and I wrote a post about that, right? Because we could say the same for astrology. It's like not everything that you don't understand is wrong yes. or bad or garbage or toxic or whatever the word that we're using, right? And so I think what I said was like, we have to be really careful. Like every human being judges, right? It's a survival skill. It's how, why we're here actually. And every human being struggles with black and white thinking, yes. right? But you have to be really careful that your judgment and your black and white thinking doesn't put you into a state of righteousness because once you're in a state of righteousness, right? And this is like my partner, John always says like you curiosity and judgment cannot live together. That's it. Right? So if I'm in a state of judgment and righteousness, like what I know is the only way, then I'm immediately cut off and shut down from, by the way, 
any true human connection. Because even when you're connecting with other people over like-minded judgments, do you know that the science actually says you're still not connecting in an intimate way? Mm. There's still not a true exchange of like human to human kind of felt connection. Like there's been a lot of studies and I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I'll, I'll have to see if I could actually find it. Um, the couple studies that I read around, um, I think it was done originally around bullying in schools. And it was talking about how like kids coming together over shared hatred and like how human beings do this. It's not like it's a, an, a, you know, an unusual thing, but a lot of us will join together with other people because we hate the same things. And then like, that's what the basis of our relationship is on, right? Is like our shared judgment of others yeah. for certain things. And the, the research was talking about how those kind of relationships actually deplete your happiness and actually take from your feeling of connectedness, not the other way around. Um, so anyway, all that to say, it's like, Yes, we all judge. That is normal. You're allowed to have opinions, but be very mindful of when your opinion, which by the way, a lot of times for us is based on not knowing or not understanding something, yeah. right? Puts you in a state of, I am wrong and you were bad. I am good. And you know, the other, the less than or whatever. Yeah. I loved that post that you wrote and I thought you did it in such a beautifully like gentle way of saying exactly what you said, which is language matters. And yeah. I think that that is my response to toxic positivity and me seeing a lot of therapists speaking to it in a way that just feels very righteous, very shaming. Um, and you know, I think that's like my problem with the word toxic in general, that podcast that I, um, set you, they were talking about toxic masculinity at the yeah. end. And I, uh, you know me, I like, I get a tick when yeah. I hear people. Well, well, I've started using that term too, like in the last couple of years. And they were like, you know, what, what the podcast was essentially talking about is like, what are you hopeful about and what makes you feel like, you know, hopeless or like, there's just like no hope. And, and the women in the podcast who were both white women were saying, I have no hope for the toxic masculine white men in society, right? That they will ever be held accountable. And I just had such a like big breath of like, huh, God, you know, like, and who do we hold accountable for who made them quote toxic men, right? Like, that mirror I mean, it, at some point, like who is responsible for this wounded patriarchal culture? Are they responsible for the way that they were raised? raised? Like it, at some point, like, what does that do? Who's taking responsibility? And right? where Somebody you, has to. Yeah. Where are you missing where your hundred percent is in the way that you have blind spots? Because we all do to your point. I know that I have blind spots, um, in, you know, why the, I think I probably have such a strong reaction to, um, the phrase toxic positivity, because like my, uh, you know, my struggle is to make sure that I'm not doing the spiritual bypassing, that I am staying in the uncomfortable feelings because I have in the past and can have a tendency to jump too quickly to the making meaning and not allowing myself to stay in the spaces of discomfort. And so I think there's probably like, if I get really into my shadow, like a way that I feel judged by the spiritual solutions that I've found that I hear people minimizing, you know? Yeah. But I think the minute that we, to your point, use language that is just so deeply shaming, we cut off connection and we cut off any sort of dialogue. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's interesting because you and I, like, in a lot of ways, our kind of our path to 
psychology, I guess, like we have a lot of similarities and like what our kind of journeys were. Um, and I know for me, like my yogic journey and my, and my meditation journey was a huge impact on me. And I can definitely stand back now and see where, um, not a lot. I can see how some of the teachings that I first kind of found and was really, um, engrossed with could be looked at in some ways as a form of bypassing and also they changed my life in so many ways and so I also wonder if is it partly because we are not as beings again black and white thinking we are not good at finding the balance so for me the balance came from I was in this yogic world. I was, I was like mind blown. It changed my life, all these things. And then I went into a very deep study of Buddhist psychology and mindfulness-based cognitive therapy, which really was like, okay, that's all great. And your fucking feet are on the floor. What's happening? What are these emotions? What's the negativity? Let's pay attention to it. Breathe into it. Don't try to change it. Like, oh, you feel pain in your body? Don't try to distract from that. Breathe into the pain. What is that? Name it, right? And so for me, there was something really beautiful in the layering of that onto some of the other spiritual practices that I can look at now and be like, oh, there was a little bit of bypassing in that, that in that blend, I think for me anyway, that was my sweet spot. So I'm like you, I think I can, I'm the opposite, right? I can tend to be like, I'll dwell in it too much. And I need a little bit of that, like that kind of positive affirmation type based, um, I don't know I'm what the word I'm thinking of, but like, that's my, that's my middle ground. So I guess it's like, can we find our middle in that? Yeah. And it's like, here's the thing. I believe that life will, will bring us to what our understandings need to be at yeah. this point in our journey. Right. So I think some of this is like, I can try to bypass as long as I want. At some point, life's going to serve me up something on a silver platter that I can't bypass my way around that discomfort. I believe that's how life works. Right. Um, and when I am in that space of life has handed me something, um, that I can't bypass my way through, I have options. And first of all, like to your point, a lot of that is like, I have to be in the discomfort, the resistance, the struggle around whatever it is for as long as I need to be. But when I am ready to say, okay, what has this come to teach me? That is when I believe those broader spiritual truth truths and spiritual solutions are what we look to. I still think they're fundamental truths, right? And I might, you know, like I might not be there yet and that's fine. Like I get to be there as long as I need to be there. Um, some people stay there for a lifetime though, is the thing, you know, like sometimes it's just like, this is my narrative of life and this is what I'm sticking to. And to me, it's like that ends up being a little bit more of like, a. I don't know, like what I think we should spend some more time like supporting people around than like the solutions that are, are really useful once I'm ready to move into the space of solution. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, you know, it's reminding me too of like, um, on that same, that same post I was talking about that I wrote, um, somebody wrote, cause it was interesting to watch the kind of comments that were popping up. Right. And there was a couple people who actually called themselves out as being either therapists or counselors or whatever. And they were all like, actually, this is why I follow you. Like I follow you because you talk about astrology and all these different, you know, ways of thinking, whatever. And then there was like one, maybe two that were like, 
I, one in particular that I'm thinking of where she was like, you know, the first class we took in my grad school uh, program was around pseudosciences and how we had to be careful of pseudosciences within psychology. And I wanted to be like, bitch, psychology is a pseudoscience to the vast majority of the world. Again, righteousness, get off your fucking high horse. Like, I'm sorry, but I don't know what psychology programs just decide that like their program is like the one that's science-based like let's be real none of us really truly know what is going on out there in the universe like we all need to get the fuck over ourselves and stop pretending like we are the ones that have the answer my religion is right your religion is wrong my way of psychology is right your way of psychology is wrong my way of spiritual practicing is right it's like no none of us know even in that statement you've got to be careful around pseudosciences fear like who told you to be afraid and now you're like and I understand like we cling to our fear because we believe that if I just like stay away from it resist whatever this thing is then I'll be safe but that is an illusion right and what are you so afraid of what are you afraid that astrology is going to introduce you to like can you be curious about the fear versus just like shutting down it's bad and wrong exactly Yeah. And it was funny to watch like some people then like defend against it and be like, you do realize that astrology was actually considered a science up until like X year when the fucking patriarchal structures started coming into play. And like, actually, you know, a lot of the Kings like practice astrology. It's like, if you don't understand and you don't know the history of something, then why don't you be curious and ask questions? And that's another thing, right? Like, can we all just, this is, I think what I said is it's like, when you find yourself getting into a place of righteousness, can you actually just step back and ask yourself, where can I be curious? Can I ask questions? Can I try to understand deeper or understand more? Because listen, I'm not saying it's going to change your mind. I'm not saying that the goal is for you to all of a sudden be like, I now suddenly believe that astrology is everything, right? Like just to use that as the example, that's not the point. The point is, is that you are now not connecting human to human when you are in a state of righteousness. None of us know stop pretending that you do. (laughs) Absolutely. And I think, you know, some of this becomes to me, live and let live. Like if what my spiritual solution is, brings me an incredible amount of peace. I think it is really unnecessary for any of us to be shaming one another uh, around and about the way that we experience the world. Especially if my spiritual practice is not the one that's like going out telling everybody to harm everybody, right? Like if it's doing good and it's helping people and helping me, is that, isn't that just all that matters? <laughs> I mean, but, you know, like, a lot of the posts that you see are, like, you know, and all of this toxic positivity, and I've literally seen the words, is annoying. And I'm like, I'm sorry you're annoyed, but do you hear yourself? You're literally fighting on the side of negativity. I'm just saying. Like, yeah. The case for negativity and why you are annoying with all that positivity. Are you hearing yourself right now? Danae and I are not by any means saying don't be in the don't be in the depths like that is literally our practice like we are we come from depth psychology we are all about getting in there and going dark and going deep right um and then also like where do we find the practices that then help us move into that state of action that state of uh making meaning that state of you know creating something for ourselves that we want to see for ourselves all these things there's so many ways that we are living in our society that are like really natural responses to 
what is out of alignment? Out of alignment. Yes. Thank you. And like as beings, like we are out of alignment as beings. Right. Let's just name that. And is your depression something that is so quote wrong with you or is it what is right with you? Because there are a lot of things about the ways that you've been living or that society has been functioning that are really um, out of alignment with the way that we are meant to live. When we talk about being out of alignment, it's like, um, I don't know, the fact that like, you know, as a being, I'm like working in an office building 10 hours a day under fluorescent lights and I barely ever see the sun and, you know, I'm eating processed foods and I have no connection to nature and I have no connection to spirit and I have no connection to other humans. Like we're lonely. We're cut off from like the village like we used to have. And it's like, again, is that to me does feel like biology because it really is your body, your psyche screaming for like, this is wrong. Like something is wrong and I'm trying my best to tell you that something is wrong. And so this is how it's going to manifest, right? It's going to manifest as depression. It's going to manifest as like anxiety, for example. Um, and all my system is trying to do is just get me to pay attention to the fact that like, I'm not living in alignment with like what my soul, my system, my psyche, whatever you want to call it is like meant to be living. Right. Right? Yeah. And this is where, as depth psychologists, our perspective on this is a little bit different than yes. some of the more clinical psychology routes. And that has to be named because a lot of, um, you know, what our culture has done is basically pathologize things that, you know, I often quote James Hillman in saying that he said that, you know, depression is psyche's way of saying, I will not participate in mania. I will not pretend that something is normal that is abnormal. I think quite often um, what we as a westernized culture have named mental illness is our psyche attempting to return to some sort of balance, some sort of way of living that we know somewhere within us is our natural state of wholeness, but we've like attempted to shut it off. And we have labeled people as a problem or mentally ill. And it's like, are they really though? Or are all of us um, living in some ways that are a little bit dysfunctional as a society? Yeah. Do they have mental illness or are they just like calling out the bullshit (laughs) (laughs) or their psyches, right? Yeah. Again, it's like, by no means are we saying that like your depression isn't real, right? It's like, no, it's real and it's felt and it's visceral and your system is flooded by it. It is overwhelmed by it and it is drugged down by it. Like, and no one is pretending that that's not the case. And, and I think this might be a little bit of where your activation potentially comes in today and tell me if I'm wrong, but like, and if we could find what works for you, So like, if I were to say like, so for me, right, when I was in the place that I was in, when I first started therapy and then started my yoga journey and then started my meditation journey, like if, if we could find that thing, right. And I know for me, the yoga, part of why that quote unquote worked for me was because I was so out of alignment with my body. I was not connected to my body anymore. And that brought me into my body. And so that actually, because I wasn't a very I was in a pretty bad depressed state at that time of my life and getting back into my body was the thing I think that my psyche was screaming for. It was like, you're disconnected, you're neck up only, right? That is not how we are meant to live as beings. So it's like all of these quote unquote pseudosciences, like maybe if actually we were able to tap into the wisdom that many of these, what this person called pseudosciences actually gives us we'd be bringing ourselves back into alignment instead of just throwing pills at everything. I yeah. Don't know. I mean, it's, it's tough, it right? Tough. And I think that this is where we always, um, 
we're careful, right, yeah. about the way that we talk about this because it feels very much like we don't in any way want to minimize yeah. the depths of the pain around yeah, right. um, these struggles. And um, I don't know. It's I just feel like we need to hold it with more nuance. And I think it's that. And curiosity. And yeah. curiosity. I think our patriarchal way of living and being is very black and white. It's very problem solution. It's very like, you know, every single thing needs to make sense, needs to fit into a box. Um, and I, I don't think that's the reality of our universe. Or even have a label slapped on it. A you label, know, I think that right, is one of my right. favorite things about the way that we practice psychology is that I, you know, we don't have to sort of diagnose. Um, and so I get to stay curious about my clients. And the minute that I have a label for someone, it's just the way that the human, um, the psychology of humans work. I will see you in that label, yeah. right? I will see you in whatever your quote mental illness is versus con continuously staying in the space of curiosity about like who you have been as a human, what your journey has been up to this point. It's just what we know to be true. I will yeah. see that label. Um, and you will see yourself in that label. And, right. and it's tough because That's, in some yeah. ways, these labels can give us um, a sense of relief, a sense of like, oh, this is this thing I understand or I understand about myself, right? This is some some like uh, missing piece of the puzzle that I've been attempting to yeah. figure out this whole time. But we can get really stuck, stuck there. Right? We can really sort of like, I am this label. You are not that label, though. Yeah. That may be a struggle that you are currently having. That may be a part of your journey. But I still believe if we zoom out on the entire trajectory of your life, you are always more than any one label that anyone can put on you. Right. And does that mean then, then like, if I say, so let's say like I label myself like I am anxious, right? Or like I, you know, I struggle with anxiety. I'm I always say I am because I guess we don't say I am anxiety. You say I have anxiety, which is a little bit different than I guess I am depressed. Um, but like I am anxious, right? Does that mean that I am anxious forever? Like because once I'm a label, does that mean it's like a part of who I am and will forever be a part of who I am? Because I also don't know that I believe that, you know? And I think a lot of people do believe that. I think that a lot of people... Maybe they don't believe that. Maybe they're told that. You and I have talked about in the world of um, addiction, right? Which is why you, in the last probably, what, five years or so, have really started kind of struggling against the addiction like labels. landscape and the labels. Yeah. Because it's like, once an addict, always an addict. And Absolutely. it's like, I don't, I don't know that that's true. Absolutely. And, you know, like, I understand a lot of times why labels can be a, ways, a way that we sort of, like you know, take the power away from something like own this thing. Like, yeah. you know, there was a point in my life where, um, I was like, I have an addictive personality and there are normies that you hear people talk about. Yes. I know you've called me a normie a lot. Well, yes. <laughs> um, you hear people talk about that, but like language matters to the point you were making right. before. And if, if you're a normie and I'm an addict, then that means that I'm abnormal. And that is something that I'm claiming for a lifetime. And that is a problem. And Gabor Mate's work has completely shifted the way that I think about addiction and alcoholism. And again, another thing that I believe, like, these are tools that we use to sort of cope with trauma. Yeah. And, um, and again, is it genetic or did I have a parent that was coping with trauma in this way? And 
we have a society that really normalizes self-medicating through all of these different, you know. And by the way, just because you picked up, let's say, you know, a bottle of booze as your way to cope, I decided to become a people pleaser as my way to cope. And what is to say that I shouldn't be the one also saying that I'm the addict here? Because as a codependent, it it is an addiction. It's considered an addiction, right? Like it is just my way of coping with anxiety and numbing and soothing and hiding. So why is that any different? So like, why am I on the other side of this? And by the way, as somebody who was in a relationship with somebody who had a struggle with alcohol, I can look back now and look at myself in a place of righteousness about it, right? Like, well, I'm not the one with the substance issue. So somehow, how does that make me like, I'm the one that's above, right? I'm the one that's better than like going back to what I was saying in the beginning, really? Am I better than because I'm the fucking enabler in this relationship and I was struggling with all of these codependent tendencies. Why was my addiction any less than theirs? Yeah. I mean, I think we are all addicts. If that's, if that's what we're talking about, we are all, you know, um, Carl Jung wrote a letter to Bill W who started Alcoholics Anonymous. And he said that basically what the alcoholic is searching for is it's like a spiritual thirst for a return to wholeness. I think all of us are sort of disconnected from the truth of who we are, um, to bring it back to those spiritual (laughs) principles. principles. Um, and that is what all I, to the point you're making, right? Like all of our shopping, all of our, on our phones, every second our gambling, of every our porn, our like, you can name a million addictions, quote unquote addictions, right? And I mean, they are to distract from the fact that we feel disconnected from capital S self, from the essence of who we are, from the bigger truths that we know about this life. And that is deeply uncomfortable because we know that's not who we are. And to me, that is what, um, those spiritual principles are speaking to that I feel like when they're saying, you know, fear or love, like the love is the bigger truth of life, right? Like that whatever the the struggle is in this moment that I'm experiencing, that is not the bigger truth of who I am, of what life is, right? Um, and yeah, like it it sort of brings it into the space of when I think of like, whatever we're struggling with, whatever the pain is, the pain is temporary, but that is not the bigger truth. Like you were saying, if there's anxiety in me right now, I love to talk to clients about like using that as language. Just like if I were hopped up on coffee, I wouldn't say I am coffee or I am a coffee person. I would say there's coffee in me right now. This is an experience. Making my heart race, right? (laughs) Making my palms sweaty. (laughs) I, I, and I think that like reframing it, cause I am someone who I think, you know, drinks a lot of coffee. I do drink a lot of coffee. (laughs) Um, and when I do, I get anxious, but I think, you know, the thing that we are sort of often equipped to support people in working through a lot of times has been our struggle and anxiety has certainly been my struggle. But once I got to the point of understanding there is anxiety in me now, it will not be there forever. And this is not who I am because I think whatever the struggle is, it just becomes so much more, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, debilitating, hopeless. Um, you know, when I feel like this is who I'm always going to be. And that's my struggle with labels, whatever the label is, it just doesn't give us a lot of room to expand beyond whatever that label has put as our capacity for growth, for expansion, for having a different life experience, if that's what we want, you know? Yeah. And I mean, you know, if we could also look at like, our experiences of 
depressions and anxiety. So like our experiences of the lows and the highs, if you will, as all very normal reactions to abnormal circumstances, right? Um, they're all normal reactions. No human being on the face of this planet since the day humans stepped on this planet didn't experience anxieties and depressions because it's, it's their triggers for us. They're flags for us. Hey, pay attention, right? I'm going to feel anxiety when something's out of whack. Like I need to pay attention. Something's going on, right? Yes. Um, it, they're not bad. We shouldn't be numbing them out of our system entirely because we need them to survive. They're very important, right? Um, but when we look at it as a way of your system, because of, I think what you're saying is spot on, perhaps I was raised by a parent who had their own traumas and their own, you know, incap um, in what am I thinking of? Like lack of cap uh, capacity or lack of capability of dealing with because they weren't taught how to deal with certain big emotions. And so that's what I learned. And now we you now we're two generations down and I'm struggling. Everything that we experience when it comes to a big emotion, it's all about the ability to build that capacity. Yes. Right. And so if you and I, when we're kids, are taught that big emotions are bad, right? Shut it down, go away. I don't want to deal with you when you're like this. You know, stop being so dramatic. All of the things that we've probably all heard at some point in our lives. We're not actually ever going to sit in and feel the height of whatever that big emotion is because we learn that that feels that's bad, that's shameful, that's wrong. We shut it down whatever way we can. So I'm going to shut it down through, again, people pleasing, or I'm going to shut it down by eating or whatever it is. And we never learn the skills to actually ride out and titrate like those big emotions. So then we end up at 25 completely debilitated yeah. by large emotions because simply put, we never learned how to live in very normal human large emotions. And now I need to take a pill because I'm debilitated and I'm 30 years old and this big emotion that had I learned at five how to process and live with, it wouldn't be cutting me off at the knees. Now is incapacitating me. Yeah. And I think it impacts everything. You know, I think our ability to, to hold and stay with ourselves through these experiences impacts our relationships, right? Yes. Like the extent to which I don't have capacity to stay in any discomfort. And so like on to the next, it's a wrap. This relationship's over. Um, or don't have conflict. Just pretend like everything's fine because I can't handle conflict. I don't like that feeling of discomfort. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, but I think, again, I think that so many of the things, the tools that we're talking about, um, whether it's mindfulness work, whether it's meditation, whether it's some of these spiritual principles, I think that is the how to stay in the discomfort, right? Because here's the thing, and this is an addiction thing, right? I can't take away whatever I've been using, whether it's drugs, alcohol, people-pleasing, shopping, whatever, without replacing it with something, right? right? right. We need something to replace it with something that like, this is what I do when I get activated. This is what I do when the hard emotions start to come. And maybe that's like, I've taught myself how to stay with myself, even with the awareness, this is a wave that will not last forever. It will eventually pass, but that's still a tool having that conversation with myself. Right. Um, but I think that we, we still have to have something that we do to move from problem to solution. We can't just stay in the problem. I guess that's my, my premise, my point. Yeah. Ah. 
This is how much I'm talking with my hands while I'm driving and swerving all over the road. (laughs) You're like, mom face is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I have a child here. Oh, boy. Pray that we get there. (laughs) No, today's a very good driver. Thank you. Um, And, yeah, I mean, welcome into the world of our car rides. I mean... This feels a little bit like coming home because today and I did this for years and then we have it in a while and so it feels good. Um, but yeah, so we're going to our first retreat right now and we're very excited and uh, it'll be the first time coming together in community as you know, crazy as everything is right now in the world um, in a long time. And we hope to continue bringing this work to you all. Um, you know, look out for another online retreat coming soon for sure we're gonna do another weekend intensive for those of you guys who you know for all of the reasons can't join us in person and then look out for another in person if all things keep you know soon yeah soon (laughs) soon so we love you all and we appreciate you listening and that's all bye guys Thanks for joining us for this episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to connect with us, you can find us on Instagram at Vanessa S. Bennett and at Danae Logan Selkin.